Welcome everyone to the Infertility Feelings Podcast with Doug and Jesse Brown or Jesse and Doug Brown, however <laughs> you'd like to say it. <laughs> Today we have uh, discovered that our podcast machine has a laugh track. And Doug has been doing and it after everything I say. I'm now obsessed with the laugh track. Yep. How could you not be obsessed with the laugh track? What's well, the other one? You were doing the other one. That there work. doesn't need to be another one. <laughs> Say something funny. Uh. <laughs> See? See, it makes every opportunity better. Here's the deal. Throughout, we're about to talk about something very special, yeah. <laughs> very important, um, very. Uh, it's a hot topic, um, hot and I promise you that I'm going to hit the laugh track one time. Okay, one time in this <laughs> podcast, no. I'm going to hit this laugh track, and it is going to be freaking gold. Okay. <laughs> All right, because today we are talking about sex and infertility. This actually came from Instagram. When I put up that, what do you want us to talk about? And you guys came back multiple times with sex and infertility. And I think infertility is something that is not talked about a lot, which is slowly changing, I feel. Um, and sex and infertility is a double whammy of not talking about, of that people don't talk about. Um, and I think there's just a lot of, that's a mixed bag. There's just a mixed bag in What's there. funny be is because sex is at the center of all fertility <laughs> you know exactly but but it's it's just all the the things that fall under the category of taboo right right totally even though it's funny because in the doctor's office it's like so not taboo right what did he say did like i remember when we did our iui or whatever we were supposed to have sex like a couple days before but i feel like he didn't say sex what'd they say intercourse maybe yeah intercourse like, yeah. intercourse i thought it was worse than that but funnier than that but um but it's like it's like so it's you thought so, i was gonna do the laugh track I did, didn't you i you did thought, <laughs> nope. oh uh, it's gonna be way better than that well i can see your it's hand it's gonna move. be way better than that let me tell you <laughs> i think that this is just something that needs to be talked about because i f really feel like we're giving people a voice inside of what's going on in their head or going on behind closed doors in their relationship and i think it needs to be talked about yeah i think um just hearing other people's experiences is always cathartic. It always feels good to say, oh, you feel that way too? Or, right. So actually, I mean, we've talked a lot about this topic with people and I feel like there's a lot of similarities and a lot of things that come up that are very similar. So I, I just hope that if you've never talked to anyone about how infertility, going through infertility, doing a fertility treatment, any of these things really does change your physical relationship, change mm -hmm. your body. Um, I just hope this feels good to you and feels yeah. like, okay, I'm not the only one out there. Or if you're like, you're just listening in and you want to know more about it. I hope this maybe even gives you more compassion for the people who are going through infertility and knowing that it's not just this, you know, a few shots that you take or a few pills that you take. Um, but it really does. It changes the internal dynamics of your relationship and how you view your body and all that kind of stuff. Yes. We hope you feel seen. Okay. So the question really is this. We run the Infertility Feelings Podcast. So my question is a feelings question and it's to you, Jesse. And it's when you start down the infertility path, right? For us, it was like probably six to 10 months into the journey where it's like, this isn't 
this isn't happening the way we wanted it to happen. Maybe now we're at the doctor's office. They're talking to us about infertility treatments, the possibility of IVF and sex has gone from, you know, even the way you said it earlier, sex has gone from sex to intercourse. It's, it's become more, um, a means to an end almost. Right. Right. What does that feel like for you, for you to your body, um, in our relationship, what does it feel like for sex to go from sex to intercourse in the context of infertility? I think for me, um, if I'm going vulnerable, I've kind of already came into our relationship with some issues in this area. And so I think that is compounded. My issues started to compound with infertility because of the past trauma I had experienced in this area. Um, so I think that it's really difficult. And that's what we talk about in our program all the time is normally this trauma of infertility is bringing up old traumas from the past. And I think sex, especially if anyone has had any single, any problem with sex or any sort of trauma with sex, infertility is a bomb to that. So I will say that. Secondly, the first time we had sex in New York, when we went on the trip to get pregnant, it was in the back of my mind. So I mean, it was in the back of my mind that that could have been it. So th- oh, that's when we could have gotten pregnant, you mean? Yes, yes. Mm. So, I mean, oh my gosh, to say after 10 months. I know, Doug, that, that actually happens cr- to people. Isn't that shocking? <laughs> it just seems so laughable in my head, but yeah. I know, I know it is. Um, but so to say of what it feels like 10 months from then, it's like, yes, it was worse, but it was already in my head the first time that we said, okay, let's go off birth control and actually like do this. So I wanted to add that. Um, but yeah. That's a good point. So it's, yeah. it's not like... Um, from like from your perspective, it was like the second we were off birth control, you were like, "This could be it. Yep. This could be it. This could yep. be it." Yep. So it's like it's not like it builds. No, it's just an an immediate. I mean, other emotions build, like hopelessness builds and stuff like that. But I was I immediately when we started for me and my own personal journey when we like did the ripped the goalie. What do they say? Ripped the goalie. Took away the goalie. I don't think it's ripped the goalie. Maybe <laughs> rem- removed the goalie. Yeah. Remove the goalie, maybe? I'm ripping the goalie tonight. <laughs> In half. <laughs> um, when they take away the goal or whatever they say, I, yeah, I rip the goalie. Yeah. Ripped- <laughs> mm-hmm. When we rip the goalie. Um, <laughs> surprised that wasn't the laugh track, Doug. Oh, no, I'm telling you. You got to wait for it. Um, so... I, it was already in the back of my mind. It was, it was in the back of my mind. And, and it was that point, as soon as we stopped birth control that I thought we were going to get pregnant and I was viewing sex already as mechanical as like a chore, basically like this chore, like me mopping my floor is going to make my floors better and shinier. Me having sex now is going to get me what I want. Oh, that's just so, if you stop and think about that, and you're trying to be emotionally intimate and you're trying to be like, not a care in the world. Look at my naked body and your naked body. It's just really hard to do. And then I think it was compounded because I had trauma in this area already. Mm-hmm. And so now I feel like, I feel like, I don't know if it just, it just became a chore really. And it just was like, and I think I really felt like every time it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. So almost that was in my head almost when we were having sex. Like, let's almost get this done so it can happen. I mean, that's being super vulnerable, but it's like, let's almost like have this happen so my body can work right. 
Yeah, and almo- my body it almost can... feels mercenary. You know, it's like yeah. mercenary is uh, like you do something for pay. You know I mean, it's like mm-hmm. a gun for hire. It's like, right. you know, you need something done. You get paid to go do it. Right. It's almost like I, I want to get pregnant and the way to get pregnant is to have sex. So it's like the actual act of it almost is almost changed at its yeah. core. It becomes a transactional type. Yeah. And it almost is like a weird way to think about it. Yeah. Like I had never thought so much about sperm in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like when we had sex in the past, it was like, all right, well yeah, that happens. And then you run to the bathroom and figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, and now it's like, you're thinking about that. It's like, okay, am I in a good position? Do how long am I going to, am I going to lay here? Am I going to put my head, legs up? I'm going to, I hope the sperm gets to my, you know, eggs in my uterus that it, it's just like, it makes it more like that kind of thinking. And I'm actually thinking about your actual physical body. I'm thinking, I'm not necessarily thinking about, <laughs> that sounds weird. I am thinking about your physical body, but it's more like now sex has become this thing where I'm actually thinking about your body's mechanics of like, <laughs> Doug! <laughs> thinking about my body mechanics, are you, Jesse? I see you. I see you. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I know what you mean, though. I mean, I know you what you mean. mean? Like it's now, like, I'm it's... thinking about you ejaculating. Like, oh, good. <laughs> I am gonna regret I know saying what you that, mean. Dad. I know... I'm sorry that I know that word. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know what you mean, though. I, I just get yeah. it. I, like it changed. Like it, the core of it changes. Okay, this goes to what I was gonna say, um, and I think it ties in perfectly. I feel like the way that I think about it is in an analogy. And of course, you in analogies. I know. I like your analogies. Ni- your middle name should be Doug Analogy, analogy Brown. Brown. Doug as in an analogy but Brown. I think it helps people. I think it helps people get the vision. It helps me at least. I, to me, it, it, this is the analogy is that you get, you know, you get together with someone, you enter this sexual relationship and in that, you know, relationship your sexuality, I like to, or your the, when you're having sex or whatever that that your sexual relationship, I like to think of it as like this cool, awesome car, right? That is like really enjoyable. You can get in it and you can go for a drive, and it's very relaxing. And you don't really never think too much about it. You you just enjoy being in it, right? It's like an old, I don't know, <laughs> what's a cool old car? Like an old Cadillac uh, or something? Yeah, like a cool, a yeah, cool convertible. Cadillac and you just cruise and you love it and it's great and 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 you don't really think too much about it but you just love going for a drive right and when you enter into fertility struggles and it starts to become uh, more of a challenge and then say you go through something like an IUI or you're taking shots or you're doing an IVF cycle or you're doing multiple IVF cycles that car gets turned into a race car and what I mean by that is not that just it goes fast, but that the entire thing is built for performance in that there is like a crew of people taking care of the engine. Hmm. You literally remove the headlights. You take out the back seat. You take out the, the other driver, the other passenger seat. And it's got, you know, straps that you are in you and it has all this stuff. It's literally, it's only built for one thing and one thing only. It's not meant to go drive down the road down on PCH. It's not meant to do anything, but just go freaking fast and turn left, right? Like a NASCAR or something like that. And I think it gets exhausting because if that's the way your sexual relationship with your person becomes is this like race car. I have a pit crew. I'm strapped into this car. It's for one job and for one job only. It is hard to transition from that 
to the old Cadillac very well. It's just, you just don't do it very well. I totally agree. It's like you're either in the race car or you're not. And, you know, for us, even after you you stop doing treatments or even just like on the other times that you're not trying, literally trying to conceive, you're like, hey, I know that I have this race car, but do you want to cruise down PCH in my... 8,000 horsepower race car. It's like, no, not really. That's not what this is. You know, like this isn't the type of car that we can just go cruise in. And now you're in this weird thing because this, your body has almost become like these machines that are, you're just like pumping full of all of these different hormones and drugs, which is a good thing because what you're trying to do is conceive, but it's difficult to view yourself at, at, on the one hand as like this carefree person who can have sex and right. it's great and you really enjoy your body and then on the other hand this like machine that you're like pumping full of all these things and you're harvesting eggs and you're it's like it it's really hard in your own mind I think to split those two in half it's like having a race car and taking it for a Sunday drive it's just is a hard thing to do I think I was surprised how quickly I made that mindset in us having sex in that time a habit. It was like, yeah. this is how I think about sex now. I think about I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to get it. So I just need to do this deed. And not to say that sometimes weren't great or whatever. I'm not saying that it was all mechanical, but it was all a lot more in my head. It was predominantly thought through that mechanical way. Yes, of thinking. Yeah. yes, yes, totally. Um, and so, and it's just so funny because it's like, the, the lie is that it, that you tell yourself is like, just relax and have it be great. And then it will, you know, just be better and your body will be more open and all those things. And even though people told me like, just get drunk like I did, or, you know, just relax like I did or whatever. It's really hard. I, I know that those things weren't right. Even back then I knew that they weren't right, but I still kind of believed it. I still kind of was like, if I just relax enough and make my body this, you know, and, and just take this in and just have it be this awesome thing, that would even be better. And it's really hard to tell yourself relax when you're not relaxed, when you have that in the back of your mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I kind of thought like uh, when you're in the midst of that, like you said, like you want to relax. Yeah. But it's hard to do that when you're thinking about it. To me, it's that example of like a watched, you ever heard like a watched pot never boils or something like that? When you're like, oh, when you're like watching no. the pot and like waiting for it to boil, it feels like it, it feels like it takes forever and it's like, mm. so it's never going to happen. But if you kind of just walk away and, and, and ignore it, it you feel like you come back and it's like, oh, the, right. the water's boiling now. I've never heard that analogy, but I like it. You really haven't heard that analogy? I've never heard that analogy. A Have you seen the, uh, the stove tops though that a watch boil water? Never boils? Really? That's like a popular that. one. No. I don't know. I've been under the rock. Have you seen the but you're sla- But you know Slash the Goalie, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Was it Slash the Goalie or Kill the Goalie or something? <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen the stovetops that boil water in 60 seconds? Really? Yep. How is that possible? I don't know. Just Magic. Extra, extra hot. It's technologies, Doug. <laughs> anyway... Any, anyway, a watch pot never that just that concept of like, yeah, I'm paying attention to this and it feels like the more I pay attention to it, the less likely it is to happen. Right. So it, I think that's the the pain when someone says like, oh, just relax or just like just go out for a night on the town. Right. Like one girl was like, just it. go to Vegas and get drunk. And it's like I literally was like in a dark moment. I'll be like, I think I just need to go to Vegas and get drunk. So it'll it's happen. Tempting to you think know? that way. But I I, it's just when you when you've gone long enough and you have enough evidence to say right. maybe that uh, that maybe that that isn't the, what i need and right. it's not that i just need to forget about it it's that i do need to like investigate what's going on because maybe there's there is something i need to do 
right. or, or just like professionals that I need to talk to. You can't live in both worlds. That like what when someone says, "Oh, just relax or go for a night on the town and just maybe it'll happen." Mm-hmm. It's like they're saying, "Just take your race car out just just yeah, like you know, your just, Formula One race car out for like a nice little stroll. Totally. Go take your Formula One race car just down the block, you yeah. know, go down to the old town. It's like that's not what this is. <laughs> that's not how this works. That should be like, an infertility t-shirt. That's not what this is. Okay. But even I, I think coming from like a, a mental and emotional place, yeah. talking about infertility feelings, it doesn't feel like you can do that. You know, it doesn't no. feel I don't, f- I didn't view it like that and feel it like yeah. that. And the so one it wasn't like I could just go be like, oh yeah, let's just go out for a night on a town. It's like, yeah. what? No, 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 no. And your doctor, the only person that you're having, uh, maybe not, but in, I think in some cases, the only person you're talking to about the sex is your partner probably um, having sex is the doctor. And the doctor's going to come at it mechanical. The doctor's going to come at you right. like, you know, you just need to have like, you know, intercourse and, you know, 48 hours before and, you know, have a great time. It's like, they don't even have, they don't even say have a great time. Like it's very like mechanical, (laughs) you know? So that, that gets in your mind and gets in your mind. And honestly, that was hard. And that was really hard to not think that I was doing something wrong and you were doing something wrong. Um, and just having guilt that it's like, oh no, our sex life is kind of changed in a way. And now it is mechanical. The hardest thing for me was not having that mindset after infertility. That was the harder part. When it's like, okay, now we're not doing IVF anymore. We're gonna, you know, go into the adoption world. Ha <laughs> snap. Think about it. Like don't think about don't think about that habit that you've made with your sex this whole entire two years. Now go have fun. Now go and just be relaxed and not think about that. That's just impossible. It was just impossible for me. And honestly, it took me to go into get some serious therapy, some EMDR therapy and go back and heal my original traumas just in this last like year and a half to be able to my, my past trauma with sex to be able to, you know, heal from that and be able to have a more healthy, I wouldn't say like a more clear minded sex life. That's what I would say. So you think it really did. It, it was that I don't know if it's like that going to be for that for no, everyone, but no, I think it no. is. I think your experience and our experience is it is enlightening for people in right. that it could be that, you know, right. it could be that it messes with you that much that yeah. there is like a need for therapy. And you said EMDR yeah, therapy, I had which to go is back and really specifically mm-hmm. kind of meant for thinking through some traumatic situations in your life. Mm-hmm. So you feel like it, it was that extreme that like to transition back you know out of well, infertility I, uh, world into regular yeah. <laughs> regular world so to speak I feel like there I was did, a need to really dive into it and i feel like i didn't have good skills to to look at it healthy anyway then infertility dumped on it and i had no idea how to get out of it i had no idea to not think about it mechanically i had no idea how to like work through that and that's why i went back and and dealt with some of my past traumas um with it was i think infertility just magnified it I would say. And I felt like I already didn't have great tools in my head. Like I already had a lot in my mind when it came to it and past traumas and stuff like that, that infertility just kind of was the bomb. And then now it's like, okay, forget about all that and just do it for fun again. And I'm like, Oh, what? Like, you know? And so I had to like, I really had to go back. But I think even if you don't have past traumas, let's say it, I think that transition, that transition to just go from it being mechanical 
and being almost like a chore to like, now you're fine. is just, that's just really hard. And not to say, I mean, a lot of people are still in that journey of, you know, trying every month, every month, trying to get that right on that day and tracking and stuff like that. And that's, what's hard too, is it's like, not only don't think of it as a chore, but you can only do it at seven o'clock on this day. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, what if you're in a bad mood or, you know, having an off day or, you know, not in the mood, you know? So it's just, it's just complicated. It's just really, really, really complicated. And I think for someone that's on the the hamster wheel right now of trying and keep trying and keep trying month after month, I would just think that would be really hard. That's just really hard on a sex life. I think infertility is hard on a sex life. For us, the reality was that sex was always going to be tied to infertility. Sex was always going to be tied to the months and months and years of waiting and wanting to have kids and trying to conceive. So we were never really going to be able to jump back into this sexual relationship without having to deal with the core pain of infertility. We couldn't kind of just pretend that it wasn't there because the two were always tied together. Mm-hmm. So for us, the recovering of, and I think it really should be for everyone, the recovering of a really healthy, fun, vibrant sexual relationship after or even during infertility is the process of grieving Mm -hmm. and and really sitting with the reality of our infertility struggles and and the, the troubles that we have and the struggles that we have in trying to conceive you kind of can't bifurcate them, right? You can't like can't take a giant axe and just yeah, split you, them into two. You know, you can't it's have like, infertility without sex. It's like this is it's part of it. Yeah, you can't just say, well, those are two oh, two separate issues. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and um, infertility, I don't like to talk about. I'm just gonna bury that. But sex, you know, I can we can jump back into that. No problem. If they're they're two, and in my opinion, they're two tied together to be able to do that. So I think the answer is to grieve, right? The answer totally is agree. to jump back in and really grieve, which we've talked about a million times before, but we should talk about it again. Yep. Because it, a lot of times that is the answer uh, well, to how we move forward. Well, we always talk about like your story is a room and there's parts of our story and parts of our lives that we like to keep dark and not turn on the light, not turn on the light to every piece in the room. And I think sex is sex with your partner and sex in your mind is a thing we like to keep dark and we like to not talk about it and we like to not look at it. And we're so big. I'm like, you got to look at it. You got to turn on every single light in the room to your story and a part of this journey and go and talk about it and bring it to light. And I think one practical tool, if someone is listening to be listening right now and going, yeah, but how do I do that? Just start talking about it. Start talking about it with your partner. Hopefully your partner is safe enough to hear that piece of you. Um, cause I'm always, I'm always shocked when I bring something out into the light with, that I've been thinking about a dark space in my room that I've been kind of keeping to myself of like, I start talking to you about it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I was thinking about that too. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I had no idea. You know? So I think that's a really just good place to start is just talking to your partner, talking to your partner about it. Brene Brown and a lot of other popular psychologists have talked about this same idea and we use the example of being in a room and turning certain parts of your rooms lights off because that's where the scary stuff is we'd rather live in the light 
Um, but the reality is, is that there isn't a bunch of light switches in our room. In reality, there's just one big giant switch. And you could think about it like all of our emotions, right? Um, when we go through something that's really stressful and really traumatic, we want to turn the dial down on our emotions. Or we say we want to turn the lights off in that area and just be like, ah, that's too much. That's too scary. But the problem is, is that there's not a bunch of individual switches. There's only one big old giant switch. And when we start to turn the lights down in that part of our room, the whole room gets dark. So you might even wonder, I don't want to deal with the whole infertility thing. I don't want to deal with how it's changed our sex life. I don't want to deal with how painful that is. But the reality is, is that it, it starts to get dark everywhere else. It's like, well, how come I'm like, I don't feel good at work. I don't feel focused in my friendships. Like, I don't feel like I don't, I just want to sit around and do nothing. I, I, what's going on? I just want to avoid this, but it's my, my whole life is being affected. It's because our desire to leave that part of us out is dimming the whole room. And we're starting to walk around in a much more dim reality than the one that we had previously hoped for. So the answer is to turn the light up on everything, right? You know, and see everything, really truly face some of the most painful parts of our story. And for a lot of us, it is how much infertility changed our relationship. And in particular, how much it changed our physical relationship. Yeah. And being able to sit with that and face that and just be sad about that thing, really get down to what that original thing is, that mm -hmm. pain, mm -hmm. and be sad with it and confront it and really deal with it. Right. it. It is a painful thing to do, but it really frees us in a lot of ways from a lot of the pain that we're feeling. I totally agree. And I also want to say, like I've said in other podcasts, this is for not all people, not all people, I think, you know, struggle with this. There's some people I think that this has not been a struggle and that's totally great. But I, but I do think that there's a lot more people that struggle with this area that, that don't talk about it. And right. if you're looking at Doug and I, like we have it all together or something like that. And you know, we do <laughs> not have it all together. <laughs> <laughs> there's a laugh track. Um, but it's like, we don't, it's like this, this affected us. And this is one of the things that affected us. I feel like actually a lot, like a really big deal to big deal. Um, so we just want to give you like sympathy and be gentle with yourself and it's okay. It's okay. And give yourself and your partner grace. It's okay. It's gonna be, it's, it's okay. It's yeah, okay to have these thoughts. It. It's okay to have it not be great for a while. It's okay to not have sex for a while. It's okay. It is okay. It is a piece of your relationship. It is not the whole thing of your relationship. It's a piece of the puzzle of your relationship, I think. And I feel like in our relationships and in infertility, so we just feel bad. For me, I guilty. just feel bad and guilty. I just feel like all yeah. messed up. And I was not always quite sure what it was. I wasn't quite sure, like, where is the thing that is... Or, like, put the blame on something. Like, what's the blame? Yeah, it's like, why do I feel so bad? So I think it was helpful for me to, to think through and talk about everything with mm -hmm. people. So I think, like, going back to what you were saying earlier, that not everyone... This isn't everyone's struggle. Not no. everyone, you know, is 
some people are able to go through and their sexual relationship is stays healthy and they feel okay. That's great. But I think that I think the goal is, and that's why we have a podcast. It's why we talk about all these things is it helps to know all the different ways that people feel during infertility. Cause the more you're aware of how people are feeling during the season, the more kind of access in a way you have to your own personal life and your own feelings to say, Oh yeah, that's the thing that like, you're like, why have I been feeling so crappy? It's like, oh, this is why I really need to go back and deal with how much our sexual relationship has changed. So in hindsight, sex in, rela- in relationships and infertility, it can be complicated. There can be a lot going on and give yourself lots of grace Yes. and realize that sometimes we just need to sit with and grieve the reality of how much things have changed. Mm-hmm. And, and, I- and, and they kind of are always changing. Yeah. You know, that part of our relationships changed so much because of infertility and even after. Right. And I think if you're feeling like your dial is really dim or your story in your room is dark, I think one, a practical tip I can give you is just to start communicating about it. Start communicating to your partner, let people into what's going on. Because if you keep it inside your head, that's the only voice that you hear. And I don't know about you, but my voice is not always kind to me and my voice is not always giving me good advice. You know, sometimes it is. I think I'm a genius sometimes, but it's like, and I think that's a good, that's a good way to look at it is it's like, you're only going to hear your voice. You're only going to hear, you know, what's going on in your mind from your voice. So the more you can talk about it and the more you can open up about that, I would let people in. Hopefully your dial will be able to go up. We're so grateful to be able to have these conversations with you. We're so grateful for another season of the Infertility Feelings yes. podcast. Just such great conversations. If you enjoyed listening, if you enjoy following along with us, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. You can give us a review. And if you give us a five-star review, I won't use the laugh track anymore. How about that? <laughs> or maybe it <laughs> maybe just the becomes opposite. a staple of what we do is that there's a laugh track on every episode. Nothing says infertility and feelings like a laugh track. <laughs> it's the I other one. Play the it. other noise. Play the other noise. No. This. <laughs> That's more fitting. <laughs> and okay. Then, stay tuned for next episode when we give a sad horn at one point in the entire thing. It's going to be... That gives a level of excitement throughout the whole podcast, yes. I think. Thank you for listening, you guys. We really appreciate every single... You're going to do it. I won't know. It's over. I promise. We really appreciate every single listen, and we are just really, really happy and excited for the season. It's going to be great. (laughs) Have a great day, everybody.